Amen. All right. You ready for the what? No, you don't sound like you mean it this morning. Ready for the what? Yes, sir. Oh, no, no, none of you is responding. Ready for the what? Yes, sir. All right. Oh, somebody says, let's say this together. Our Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ alone. There is no confusion. There is no contradictions in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves in you. Your name alone is glorified. And we... I defy. Amen. All right. Let's look at something very quick this morning. The local church and you. The local church and you. A lot of us don't have understanding of what the church is all about. So I want to clarify certain things for us this morning on what the church is all about and what the gathering of believers is all about. Uh, because we have to have a clear understanding and a clear mind of what the church is all about. So this is called the local church and you. So it's, we can, you can just call it the local church and me, you know, something like that. So the local church refers to a group of people or group of believers uh, that you fellowship with, you learn with, you are accountable to and you serve with. Uh, like I said, I, I still believe we live in a time and world where a lot of things has to really be explained. Um, I, I say this all the time, that as believers or as even a preacher, you must not assume, no preacher must assume that this is what things are all about or that people just naturally know what this is talking about or what this is saying. The very minute you reach that assumption, you will most definitely tend to make some mistakes. So as a preacher, you must never assume. You must never assume that people know the scriptures. You must never assume that people know what the church is all about. You must never assume that people that are called Christians naturally know the Bible. You must never assume that things, people just know what it's all about. Are you getting what I'm saying? You must not assume as a preacher of the gospel. So the local church refers to a group of believers that you fellowship with, you learn with, and you are accountable to and you serve with. I'll say it again. The local church refers to a group of believers that you fellowship with, you learn with, you are accountable to, and you serve with. I'll say it one more time. The local church refers to a group of believers that you fellowship with, you learn with, you are accountable to, and you serve with. Now, if you understand what I just said, you will understand what the essence of coming to church is all about. Because a lot of us just have this custom and tradition of, oh, it's a Sunday morning service. Um, let me just, let me wait for a text message. Um, if they did not text me for church service, I'm not coming. Um, if I'm not being um, told or picked up, I won't come to church. But you have to understand that none of the epistles we are written to the body of Christ. None of the epistles were written to the body of Christ. They were pinned or penned down to churches specific. So you see the letter of Paul to Corinth. You see the letter of Paul to Rome. Letter of Paul to Ephesus. Letter of Paul to, uh, to Thessalonica. Letter of Paul to Philippi. Letter of Paul to 
Colossae, you see all of those letters, they were written to churches specific. In fact, even in the book of Revelations, when they had the rebuke, there was a rebuke to the seven churches. That was called letters to the seven churches, the church of Macedonia, the church of Laodicea. You see all of those churches there. So that shows you that a church is more than the something I'm going to teach us later this year beyond church attendance. Church is beyond more than church attendance. It's beyond more than let me just come to service in the morning. Let me just uh, let me just uh, uh, sit down, pray, sing, write, and listen to the word and go home. Church is beyond that. Church is a group of believers that you fellowship with, you learn with, you are accountable to, and you serve with. So, like I said, all the letters to the all the letters of Paul were written to churches specific. And when you when you will find individuals, it's just like when you wrote letter to Timothy, letter to Titus. Let out of Philemon, they were men in the local church. They were men and individuals in the local church. So the first thing that a new convert needs or requires is the local church. When a man gets born again, when you preach to your friend, when you get somebody saved, when you get somebody, uh, you, when you talk to the person about the gospel, the first thing he needs is the local church the local church and let me tell you something the church is not just a gathering but a gathering of believers is more than the coming together of two or three people the church is more than coming together of two or three people is the gathering of believers that is why there is no way in the old testament you will find the word church there is no way you won't find that word church in the Old Testament. You won't. It doesn't exist in the Old Testament at all. Because I told you, church is the guardian of believers. But when you get into the four Gospels, the word church was used twice. You see in Matthew 16 verse 18 as a prophecy. You see in Matthew 18 verse 17 also. It was used twice. In the four gospels, it was like a welcome party, like, where do we start? But in the book of Acts, you will see the word church used 18 times. Now, this is because men have believed the gospel. Men, Jesus has resurrected now, and they now believe in the resurrection. Now, there is now a gathering. Jesus told them in Acts 1, he says, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be in power. From I, he now says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He says, but tarry ye in Jerusalem. Then in Acts 2 verse 1, he says, and so did the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were in one accord in one place. So the gathering started. So that is why church is the gathering of the saved. Look at in Acts 2. Let's go to Acts 2 verse 41 to 42. Acts 2 verse 41 to 42. Acts 2. So you must understand, what is the church all about? Uh, is it just me just waking up in the morning, coming to church every time? Um, just, no. We, we really need to settle some things. Look at Acts 2, verse 41 to 42. 
It says, and they that gladly received this word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. But look at what it says in verse 41. It says that they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them 3,000 souls. Look at it in verse 47. It says, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added what? To the church daily as should be saved. They added to the church. The word church was in view again. So as the church grew more, more local churches emerged. So with the home of believers serving as the guardian of, of, of the believers too. Because you will read in this place, they gathered in homes. How, was, how did the church start in the book of Acts? They were gathering in homes, in the temple. As they increased, the temple couldn't contain them. So people would spare their houses and say, hey, come, let's have a gathering here. So we'll share food, we'll, share, we'll listen to the world, we'll pray. And so it's a gathering of believers. It's a gathering of men, the saint. The first time a set of people was called church, is that, it, so this is the first time a set of people was called church in the book of Acts. And they were saved men. Now, I've heard so many things today in our world today. We say, church is like an hospital where we clean people, where we do all of those things. Yes, but <laughs> I don't know about you. I'd rather go to the scriptures and look at what the church is all about. So people say, hey, church is where we clean people. Church is like that place where everybody comes to. Yes, everybody comes to church, obviously. But when the purpose of the thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. My Moreau said that. When the purpose of the thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. So if you and I, that we call ourselves Christians, don't know what the church is all about, we're going to abuse it. We're not going to have a full understanding of what it is. So now, that is why you read in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 23. Go to 1 Corinthians 14 23. What happens when an unbeliever comes to church? It says, therefore, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 23. Even if an unbeliever has come to church, certain activities are done in the church that makes him a believer. We don't pamper an unbeliever and keep giving the unbeliever food or keep giving the unbeliever frivolities just to make him keep coming to church. If a man who is not saved comes into the church, certain activities of the church should make him saved. He must not come to church and remain an unsaved man. So it is so wrong to have that idea to say a lot of people are in church today, but they are not even born again. How many of you have heard those statements before? It is because they don't understand what the church is about. Like I said, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. It is wrong now. I can't say the supernatural community church, all of us all over the world now, I can't say that every one of us in the supernatural community church are unbelievers. It's not possible. We are not unbelievers. We are not. So when people want to generalize things, they can't generalize the supernatural community church in, in view. Now, look at it in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23. It says, If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, 
and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned. The unlearned here means those who are ignorant, those who don't know, those who are unbelievers. In that sense, or unbelievers. We then not say you are mad. Then it now says, but if all prophesy, and we all come together and believe it not, one who is unlearned is convinced of all and is judge of all. So there will be something done in the church that will make his heart convinced. Look at what it now says in verse 25. And thus the secret of his heart made manifest, so that the falling down of his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of the truth. That means he's going to be saved. So it is wrong for an unbeliever to come to church and not receive salvation. It's wrong. So, even if an unbeliever comes to church, certain activities are done that makes him a believer. So what is the church? The church is the gathering of the saved men. Saved men. At 12 verse 5. At 12 verse 5. Acts 12 verse 5. I really hope you're following me this morning. Hallelujah. Acts 12 verse 5. It says, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of what? Of the church unto God for him. Hope you know that it is men who, who are believers that can pray. Pray well. I mean, pray rightly. It's his prayer was made of the church for him. Look at Acts 13 verse 1. Acts 13 verse 1. And there were in the church. There were in the church. Why, even, why are people called Christians today? Acts 11 verse 27. Acts 11 27. You know, I've always told you, when you come to church, you come to open your Bibles. You come to see it. Why are people called why are people called unbelievers today? Or why are people called Christians today? Acts 11 verse 26. Look at Acts 11 verse 26. Acts 11 26. It says, And we found, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with what? With what? With the church and touched most people. And the disciples were what? What? Were what? First called what? Christians. So who are those who were called Christians? Those guys in church. The guys in church were the people that were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians. So the church is where is the gathering of the same men. Is the gathering of the same men. So the church are people that are purchased by his blood. Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. It says, Take it dear unto yourself and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So that means a man who is born again has been purchased with his blood, obviously. But a man who is born again, the very first thing he needs is where? The church. He needs the gathering of believers, men of like mind, men of like mind, like-minded people. He needs the church. 
I taught it something last year. You should get, you should lay your hand on it. Letter to the churches, letter to the churchless Christian. Why should a believer not have a church? I have a, I have a teaching like that. Why should you, why should you say, and the church is beyond just me coming to church on a Sunday morning. No, it's beyond that. The church are people that are purchased by the blood. So now, what's the responsibility of the pastor in the church? What's the responsibility? That same Acts 28. Look at Acts 20 verse 28. Look at it. Take it therefore unto yourself and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. In our sense, to do what? To feed the church of God. That's our work, to feed you. So there is no time you will enter this church if you see me joking or cracking jokes or probably I'm doing drama skit for you, I'm not doing my work. Now, why am I saying this? So that you can also bear me witness. So when I'm trying to not do my work, somebody say, Pastor, you taught us that your work is to feed us. And to feed people doesn't mean to feed people like give them food. It means to feed them the word. Look at John 21. Jesus explained it further to Peter in John 21. Go to John 21. John 21. So I will tell you my responsibilities and I will tell you your responsibilities. Are we good? Right? We're good for that, right? Okay, so there's no, so we are all even. I'll tell you my own responsibility. And I will tell you your responsibility. Now, look at John 20, John 21. John 21. Let's see from verse 15. John 21, verse 15. It says, So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? And he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, Feed my lamb. That's the responsibility. And who, what did Peter do upon the resurrection? In starting from Acts 2, the Bible says Peter standing up among the eleven, he started teaching. He was feeding his lambs. Look at in John 16. Look at in verse 16 of that same chapter. He said on 8-2 again, Simon, loveth Jonas, lo-. he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he says, Feed my sheep. So a true shepherd, a true pastor who loves God would teach his people. If the true thirst of a pastor who loves God is that he's going to teach his people awesomely. He's not going to hold back from, he's not going to hold back the truth of the scriptures from you. Paul said, you know how that I've labored abundantly with my hands and I've held back nothing from you. That's why night and day in this church we are teaching Spending time, Bible seminars, by midweek service, teaching, go on our website, you will find materials on different subjects, theological subjects, to explain things from you from the scriptures. So, a true shepherd, look at, he asked him again in verse 17, what do you think made Jesus ask that question for three times? Do you think he was deaf? He says, in verse 17, he said unto him the third time, Simon, Son of Jonas, love it thou me. Peter was grieved. He says, you know I love thee. And thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
So the duty of a pastor, the duty of the man is to teach. Is to teach. Is to teach. So what do I hold you in this church to help you grow further? What does the pastor of a local church owes you to help you grow in your spiritual work with Christ? So that means it's a gathering of a saved man, right? Right, guys? It's gathering of the saved. So when they come to church, what happens? They grow in the knowledge of what? That salvation. So a church pastor who is not helping you grow responsibly is not doing his job. And he's going to be judged for it. Are you getting what I'm saying? A church pastor who is not doing his job, who is probably teaching his people uh, uh, business seminar, wet seminar, um, prosperity seminar, or uh, how to fire your boss seminar, how to uh, how to kill your powers seminar. Imagine that's what you're that's what you are learning in church. That is, you can learn that in a business school. You can. Just imagine I come to church this morning and what I'm teaching you is um, how to dissect the stomach. And I'm using it to explain the scripture that, you know, in the dissecting of the stomach, in anatomy, it is this, there's that, then I'm not using the scripture. That's wrong. That's not my job. My job is cut out. The job of a pastor is cut out. A pastor must understand this. Every preacher must understand that your job is cut out. Your job is laid out. Is there's a way laid out plan for your job? Your work is to teach the scriptures. That's why when Jesus came, he says, Lo, I come in the volume of the books. He taught the scriptures, explaining it night and day. He took men into the wilderness three days and three nights, teaching men the scriptures. It was at that instance he, he did the miracle of the five loaves of bread and two fishes because he said, should we send this man fainting? The guy said, no. So imagine Jesus taking unbelievers to the wilderness for three days just teaching. Paul in the book of Acts was teaching and Uticus fell down and died. And he woke him up and continued. Bible says they continue daily in the fellowship of the brethren, in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread. So the church is a place for teaching. So when you read the epistles, it will, you, will, you, you will find the word church in the epistles 52 times. In the book of Acts, you find it 18 times. In the epistles, you find it 52 times you, because it is all over. So the church is not the place where we display our personal, our personality, our wealth. That's not what we do in the church. The church is not the place where we call somebody doctor, nurse. No, we don't do that in the church. We do it when we get outside. We do it when we get to our business profession. But in the church, brother, sister, we are one in Christ. It's not a, we must not build a church on a class society. To say the rich, this is the where the rich will sit down, this is where the poor will sit down. No. Some churches they, they put some they, they put some high esteem on the rich and the poor. That's wrong. That's not what the church is all about. That's not what the church is all about. We trust God that we're gonna reach the nations, we're gonna meet people. But you see, the church, we are one. We are one body. 
It's not a status community where we are checking your educational degree, your educational background before you fit in. No! Where we are checking the way you dress, the way you look out. Okay, if you're not doing makeup, move to this side. If you're coming natural, move to this side. If your hair is white, move to this side. If your hair is black, move to this side. The church is not a classless society. No! That's not what the church is all about. The church is not a place where, uh, where we display our wealth. We display the kind of cars we drive. We display our profession. No! The very minute you are entering into the door, everything drops. You become a normal human. You are going to fellowship with your brothers and sisters. We are now in the family of God. When you get back to your workplace, they can call you your doctor. They can call you your nurse. They can call you your engineer. They can call you your lawyer. They can call you your teacher. They can call you everything you be. They can call you your HR, your manager, your yes boss, your everything. They can call you that. But in the church, we're not going to call you boss. We're going to call you brother. We're going to call you sister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know everyone is quiet. It's like, so all my degrees, all my professional degrees, I'm not going to show them in church? No, you can't show them in church. You can't show them in church. You can't. Luke was a physician and he was submitted actively in the local church. If you read in Romans 16, Paul listed the group of guys and you won't see their professions. So, the church is for all. Everybody. Everybody is welcome. Even if he's an unbeliever, the very minute he steps into the church, he's going to see reasons to be a believer. So when we are here, you drop your ego. Because we value everybody with the blood of Jesus. In the church, Jesus must be the center of it all. The church is the body of Christ. It is part of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. It is part of Christ. You read in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Ephesians 5, 22. It says, Wives, submit to yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. In verse 23, now says, For the husband is the head of the church, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Look at it in verse 29. For no man hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. So, a church is where we are nourished up. Jesus, the church, caters for the needs of the gospel. So, in a church, so, what is a church? In 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, which I'm going to reference later, but I'll, I'll just start now. 1 Timothy 3, 15. Look at 1 Timothy 3, 15. 1 Timothy 3, 15. 
First Timothy 3.15. It says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is what? Which is what? The church of the living God, the pillar of truth. The church must be known as the ground and pillar of truth. What is the truth? Truth is from the Greek word aletheia. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. It means something free from pretense. Something free from simulation, falsehood, and deceit. So, in a church, we don't do guesswork. It must be a pillar of the truth. The facts and certainties, we must, we must preach the truth with its facts, with its certainties to the greatest degree. A church is not where we are trying to deceive anyone. That's why I tell you, come with your Bibles. Come with your jotters. Take notes. Look at what, what is going on. In this. Look at what the preacher is saying. Look at it yourself. Read it yourself. Is the preacher making a mistake? Is the teacher making sense? Read it, look at it, follow carefully. A church is the pillar and ground of truth. So the church is called the church because of the activities in the church. And we're going to see that much later. So in the local church, even though they are believers, so we've, we've addressed certain things, right? We say a church is a place where it's a gathering of believers, right? Right, guys? We said a church is, um, a local church is where you fellowship with, right? Learn with, right? You are accountable to, right? And you serve with, right? So, even though we are all believers, in a local church, things have to be done orderly. There has to be structure and order. Structure and order means somebody is preaching, you are sitting and you are taking notes. Not everybody is preaching. Structure and order means somebody is singing, we are all singing. Structure and order means somebody is leading us in prayer. Not everybody is doing the leading. All like our sister Yade was leading us today now. Imagine sister Yade and bro God doing a sister Chemaka with the, the three of them are all leading us. I say, and all of them are in front. Oh yeah, you lead this one, you lead this one. You know, that's going to be chaotic. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33, look at it. Why, why is there structure and order in church? Why is there ushers? Why is there uh, choir? Why are there operations? People that are clean. Why are there uh, media? People that handle all the things. Why are there structure and order? Look at in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. I'm explaining this to you this morning because I believe many of us just don't, probably we know what church is, but we've gotten the idea all mixed up. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all churches of the saints. So he is not the author of confusion. So there can be confusion in church. Look at it in verse 40 of that place, of that same text. It says, Let all things be what? Let's read together. Let all things be what? Done decently and in order. So, there are structures, there are things, and there are ways to how things are done in church. And this order entails that 
people are in charge of different activities. If the pastor is the one running about in the church, doing everything, you will not be effective. I remember Reverend Kisley will explain it this way. He will say, if the pastor is the one running about, um, doing everything, how will the pastor have time to pray and minister to you? I will never forget that statement. Reverend Kisley will say, how will, how will the pastor pray, prepare, and minister to you effectively in the way you ought to be blessed? If he's the one that has to go and pick people up in the morning, wake up and come and clean the church, arrange the church, set up the media, set up the ushering, okay, attend to everybody, how is it going to be effective in the ministration? So there has to be order. So the author entails that people are in charge of different activities and responsibilities. In Romans 12 verse 4, Romans 12 verse 4, Romans 12 verse 4, Romans 12 verse 4. Romans 12 verse 4. Look at this. Let's read it together. I'll wait for you. Romans 12 verse 4. Are you learning something this morning? Are you sure? All right. Romans 12 verse 4. It says, for we have many members. Let's read it together. I'll wait for you. Let's go. One, two, ready, go. Many members in one body. And all members have no what? All members not have the same office. The choirs can be the ushers. The media theme can be the choir. Are you seeing it? The operations department can be the security. We are one member having different offices. So we have different functions and responsibility in the local church. And this guides our behavior in the church. Remember, we're studying the local church and what? And you. Or the local church and me. So it is pertinent for us to note that Paul concludes his instruction to Timothy on putting structural leadership in the church. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, we just read that earlier. It says the church is the, it says that if that mere story, you know how you ought to behave in the church of God, which is the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. So the local church is the primary place. So what are we here for in the local church? The local church is the primary place for spiritual development and nourishment. The local church is a place where you are well fed the word. Where you are taught the scriptures awesomely. It's a place for your spiritual development, for your spiritual nourishment. That's why Jesus said, go and feed my sheep. The feed my sheep there means to care for, to nourish. That means in the local church, we're going to care for your job. We're going to care for, okay, you're not working. Okay, what are we doing? We're going to care and assist you. Okay, what is going on with your life? How can we step in? In the local church, we're going to offer provisions because our work is to nourish. The work of the local church is to nourish, to look after your well-being. Because it's a family. 
Imagine, now, look at, just imagine your family, your brothers and your sisters, how they care about you, right? When you were growing up, how your brothers, your sisters, your parents, they care about you. That is how the church is. We care about your welfare. We care about your nourishment. You see a sister, you see a brother, you say, ah, you don't look like you've eaten. Okay, let's, let's see what we can do. Bible says they continued in the apostles' doctrine, Acts 2 verse 47, continued in the apostles' doctrine in the breaking of bread and fellowship. So yes, it's a split for spiritual nourishment, spiritual development, and also we take care of your well-being. That's the church. That's the church. Remember, the church is not a, a, a class church. It's not a place where you are coming to, to bring your hair go. Oh, um, I am the founder of Microsoft. We know, sit down like every other brethren in church. I'm the governor. Yeah, even if you are the governor, we're not going to give you a special recognition. We can just recognize you as a, as a normal person. So they say, hey, the governor of the state is with us. Booze, well done, brother. Then you become a normal citizen. We're not going to be giving you one preferential chair. As a CTA. No. Once you enter the church, we become one family. So it's a place where the written word is preached. And as the written word is preached, you are nourished, right? Right, guys? You are nourished. You are at the fight. You are built up. Because the church is not fed by Jesus. No, 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 no. Or the Holy Spirit directly. No, 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 no. They do it through men and women who have been given the responsibilities for this. Jesus is not the one preaching to you every morning. No. The Holy Ghost is not the one preaching to you every morning. No. He would do it through the lips of the preacher. Through the lips of the men and the women in the church. So, the function of the local church is to minister spiritual growth to you. That means you have to grow spiritually. Your prayer life has to get better. If you are in a church where they are not praying, you are in the wrong place. Where they don't exhort prayer, you are in the wrong place. Because if you read through the scriptures, all through, you will never find our prayer was spoken down low on, even right from the Old Testament. You find that Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights in Monsignor and praying. Elijah prayed. Jesus prayed. The men in the book of Acts prayed. So when you get to a church, and in that church they don't exhort prayer, you're in the wrong place. When you get to a church and the written word and context is not being preached, you're in the wrong place. Where they don't exhort the written word. Where they are exalting their experiences. Oh, yesterday, I saw an eagle and a fly. On motivation, success seminar. Those things give you undue pressure. You are in the wrong place. The word of God must be preached. So, the local church is where you, we minister spiritual growth to you. We can't do it at home or at your workplace. Your workplace is simply your workplace. 
Your home is your home, except you open your home out, out to us for church. So we minister spiritual growth via fellowship, via relationship, and this is done through preaching and teaching. Preaching and teaching. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 14. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 14. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 14. Are you learning something this morning? Are you sure? Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 14. Are we there? Are we there? Ephesians 4 11 to 14. Are we there? Are we there, guys? He says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? In verse 12. For what? Let's read it together. For what? For what, guys? Perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all what? Come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In that says in verse 4, that we henceforth, verse 14, be no more what? Children tossed to and fro, carried with every slight corniness. It's carried with, about with every wind of doctrine. Hey, this is, there's a power from your father's house, you go there. Hey, there's prosperity, you go there. There's this, the word of God must be able to make you stable. You must understand and grow in the church. It says, carried about by every widow, by every slight of men, corny countenance, whereby they lay in wait to deceit. It says, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Hallelujah. And this is achieved in the local church. This is achieved in the local church. The church is a place where the things of the Spirit are thought and demonstrated. The church is a place where the things of the Spirit is thought and demonstrated. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. In the church, the things of the Spirit, thongs, Prophecy, interpretation of thought, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the summit of spirit, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, uh, gifts of working of miracles must be exalted in the church. It must even be thought and demonstrated. It mustn't be just the pastor doing it. Once only the pastor is doing it, it is a showman. In the church of Jesus, look at it in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. It says, I is it them, brethren. Are we there? When every one of you come together, it says every one of you, right? In the church, right, guys? Every one of you at a psalm. A psalm, if you go listen to our psalm class, I have a teaching on psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. A psalm means a song of the spirit. It says at a doctrine, that is a teaching, you must be full of God's word. At the tongue, we prayed in tongues this morning, right? Right, guys? At the revelation, all of us must be able to see things in the spirit. At an interpretation, we must be able to talk in tongues and demonstrate. And that says, let all things be done what? Unto edifying. So the very minute, only the pastor is the one working miracles. Is the only one speaking in tongues. There are some churches where the pastor speaks in tongues and your members are saying amen. 
Imagine. You say, shall hey, Amen. All the members will say, Amen. That's wrong. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. When you speak in tongues, you speak to God. The pastor is speaking to God. You are saying amen. So the things of the spirit, visions, revelations, spirit of seeing and knowing, must be taught and demonstrated in the church. I think last month we were looking at the glory of the later house, right? And we said, and we said, we said the glory of God is that our means we can see visions, right? We can see revelations by the Spirit. It must be a place where the things of the Spirit is exalted. So, so to be in a local church means to function there means to receive the word there and serve and minister there. To be in a local church means to what? To function there, to receive the word there, to serve there, and to minister there too. To be in a local church means to what? Function there, receive the word there, to serve there and to minister there too. So it is far beyond attendance, warming the bench, warming the benches. No, it's far beyond that. So the question you should ask yourself this morning, are you functioning in a local church? Are you receiving the word there? Are you serving there? Are you also ministering there? So, you must be found accountable there. I often teach this like this. I often say, in the local church, selfishness and pride will be destroyed once you are in a local church. Because you won't have the ability to have class mindset, to show your status, to show your ego, to show your wealth. You will have that ability. So, selfishness will mean that. Because selfishness and pride, so in the local church, selfishness and pride will be destroyed from our lives. You will have to be, because why will selfishness be live your life? You will have to be a blessing. You will have to give. You will have to be available. You will have to care for others. You have to use your time, your energy, your money, for, and your resources for others. I remember when we were growing up, so I remember somebody saw me in church one time with, I, I think, I, I don't know if I told you this story in, before. I don't know if it's on a Tuesday service or, or, or one of the services that I told you that. I remember growing up, I used to have two shoes, one shoe and one palm. Is it so is it a Sunday service? Last week Sunday? Okay. Now, I remember one of those Sundays. My because I will wake up like uh early in the morning. Church is not like now where church is 10 a.m. You can still sleep, you can still relax. 
when we were growing up, church is at 6.30 a.m. Someone said, I can't imagine that. We're going to get there someday. <laughs> church is at 6.30 a.m. I'm serious. We're going to get there someday. We're going to have some discipline. We'll probably be doing first service. This 10 a.m. will be second service. Then the evening service will be third service. I'm not joking, no. Someday. Because we have to have some discipline about church. So we say, ah, why is everything always different? <laughs> now, listen. We used to get to church for workers' meeting, 6.30. If you did not come, no, if you come in, I remember then, me and my mother were workers. If we, my mother will leave me sometimes because she doesn't want to serve punishment. If you come in at 6.35, you might be the one that, if the church is going through construction, you're going to help the church out that week. So you will come in during the week or that Sunday before you attend service to take blocks to help them in the construction site, to arrange blocks, to maybe help them moon the, uh, the, the grasses and everything so that the church is good for coming late. So I remember one of those services. I came to church. I was already tired. We've done all of those things. I've set up. And in our church then, we didn't have ties like this. It was bare floor. So there was, so we have to wet the floor, right? We have to, it was very dusty. It was all of those things. So we have to wet the floor for everybody. I have to, it's not like here where the chairs are arranged. We used to pack the chairs away, arrange the chairs, set up the drums, set up everything. And I was the leader. I was the preacher. So I, I would do everything. So my, my, I wore a black clothes like this and, um, Maybe, maybe like a slippers or something. I, can't, I know the thing. He just had the cover toe and the dust and everything was filled. So I now went to one sister and said, Hi, come to church. She just looked at me like, Come to church with the way you are, you are looking dressed. Now, <laughs> now, why would she say that? Pride. She doesn't know what it means to serve. Now today, those kind of people now reach out to you and say, pray for me. I'm not joking. They'll text you now and say, pray for me. I'll just remember. So, that time when I was inviting you to church, and you looked at me and said, church? Now you want my prayers. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, selfishness and pride will be destroyed in a local church. By you serving, committing, functioning there. So, because you will give your time. You'll be available to give your time. You'll be available to care for others. To use your money, your energy for others. When you are prideful, how will pride be destroyed? When you are accountable to others and you submit to them, and you learn from others, and you are corrected, and you are disciplined when necessary, pride will be destroyed. A lot of people are very prideful. A lot of people just come to church and feel like they are the kings. Where? People just, they don't care what's going on. You know, just, just sit down, this and that. That's pride. That's pride. That's a very bad attitude. A lot of people just feel like you can just walk in anyhow, sit down anyhow, 
be very rude. You know, some people are teaching their, their own Instagram. That's rude. Very rude in the church. That's pride. At least if you don't respect the preacher, you respect even God in the service. So we are in church. You, they're in church. They, they, and that's because they don't serve in church. Why do they have those kind of mindset or that same kind of thing? They don't function. They're not, they, they not accountable. So they're just prideful. Oh, just finish up service and let me go. That's a prideful act. Some people are looking at their time and just wondering, oh my God. Oh my God. When are we leaving service today? That's pride. Those who are effectively are serving and functioning are excited. Those who clean the chairs this morning and arrange the chairs this morning, they are not wanting people to leave the chairs they cleaned. Hope you know that. Those who sweep the church, who arrange the church, who set up the microphones, who set up the speakers, who set up the projectors, who arrange every build, everything in this building, they are not wanting people to leave. But those who don't do anything, who just come and sit down. You see now? My microphone just sounded. Somebody stood up to go and fix something. That's service. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's service. But many of us are very prideful. You just sit down. You want everything to be done for you. Some of you, don't, some of you are like, if they don't text me today, I'm not coming to church. If they don't text me at all, I, I will just roll up my, my blanket. Some people, they still have to wake you up for church. As old as you are, and they don't wake you up for morning service. They don't wake you up for your workplace to go to work. They don't wake you up to go to exams. They don't wake you up to go for... So it shows your priorities. It shows your priorities. And that is a very, very bad attitude. Some people, they have to wait for you to get dressed... And at work, because you know you're going to get paid, they don't wait for you to get dressed, you would have even been there. I say it this way. Imagine you have an appointment with Joe Biden, the President of the United States, this morning. Hope you know you would have been in Washington since Friday. Hope you know. You would have been in Washington since Friday, and Joe Biden told you they're going to get you a, a permanent position like six-figure paying job somewhere. Not in the White House. White House, mm -mm. somewhere. Just going to link you up to a company. You would have been, and it says the meeting is on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Now, let's judge this. 10 a.m. Someone say, that's the president. No, that's, don't, stop thinking that way. Someone say, but that's the president. No. God is bigger than our president. It shows your priority. You would have been there since Thursday, just in case. So that nothing, you would have packed your bag, packed your suit, ironed it, arranged your clothes, arranged your shoe. If I, you might have even buy alternative, just in case that one tears. You would you will be so ready just in case the powers from your father's house come and attack you. <laughs> and you would have been there. Right? You would have been there. By, you won't even sleep well. 
By 5.30, you would have been at the gate of White House. They'll be asking, what time is your appointment? 10 years, you're like, ah, I just want to sit down. I remember some people that used to go for interviews, especially in the embassy. I remember when my mom was going for interview at the embassy, we've got to Lagos. We went to Lagos some days before. For what? Preparation to go to the embassy for one day. So we were there in Lagos. 2 a.m. I'm not joking. Hope you know mothers. <laughs> 2 a.m. My mother said, if you are still sleeping, it's the devil that is doing you. <laughs> but like, I, don't, I don't know what kind of sleep you are sleeping. 2 3 a.m. We were already there praying in tongues <laughs> for an appointment of 8 a.m. Just in case there will be no traffic. And in Lagos, let me give you a background of Lagos. Lagos is like typical proper New York. There's traffic. Oh, Jesus. If you are going somewhere in Lagos, if, if I'm trying to catch a flight in Lagos, I must leave my house. I remember the last time I was in Lagos, that was in, um, in April. I remember I was trying to catch a flight in Lagos in April, and I left my house. I had to, so I saw the GPS. Originally, I lived just 20 minutes away from the airport. But that day, there was a surge of traffic. I checked the GPS, and a 15 minutes journey, GPS was telling me two hours, 20 minutes. I'm not joking. That's Lagos for you. So you know what, brethren? I was still trying to sleep and say, let me rest for my flight. And my flight was like, Ten in the night. I had to leave my house at five. Because I don't want to miss the flight. I packed all my bus. I told myself, I told my friends, let's just go together. We'll go arrange it to the airport. Let's just get there. And you never can tell what's the cause of the traffic. Hope you know that in, in traffic, it's like the demon, it's like a demon just stands at the door and says, I'm holding the road for you guys. How many of you have been in traffic in this? in America, I noticed that if there's a traffic, they'll just get to a point, the road will just be free. Who holds, who held the road for a long time? <laughs> what happened? Is it a demon who just stood up and just said, okay guys, pause. <laughs> so back to what I'm saying. So many of us, we are like that. So if you had an appointment with Joe Biden this morning at 10 a.m., Hope you know you won't need anyone to wake you up. Your suit, you won't, you won't say, I'm still baffing. I'm, I'm coming. You won't say that. You won't say, I don't have money to book an Uber. You will, okay, you will look for the money. That's because your priorities are not straight. So how much more God? But you know what you have done? Because of pride, because of ego and selfishness, yeah. is it not that guy that is coming to preach that has beards? Oh, what does he want to say? And you forgot thing that is beyond the man. So, oh, is it not that church? You don't clean chairs, you don't arrange, you don't do anything. You are not serving, you are not going. You are just to sit down and be looking at the time. Be fast. Ah. Why do you always waste our time every Sunday? 
That's pride. Those who effectively serve, who functions well, who are accountable, they are not prideful. So you want to destroy pride in your life? You want to destroy ego? Check those people who are prideful, who are have ego. They are not serving effectively, accountable, and efficient in the local church. They are not learning with growing with the family. Put it into your family. Do you want to be prideful to your father? No, your father gave birth to you. Your mom gave birth to you. You can't form all the prideness today. Even if you want to try to be proud to them, you're, you're just going to have a sense of decency of respect. That is what a family of a local church is. I say it to you. Most of all our workers all over Supernatural Community Church, we are all educated. All of us. Blazing in our careers. Everybody, all of, everywhere beyond Rochester. And all of us are serving. You won't even know. You won't even know. Because we don't put it on our head. It's not a class church. Hallelujah. So, pride, selfishness, ego is the reason so many of you are not ready to give, not ready to be available, not ready to use your time, not ready to use your energy, your money for others. I hope you know, in a local church, we care for others. It's a life and a ministry for others. hope you know. Those who arrange everything today, who set up all the church today, hope you know they did it for you. hope you know that. So how much more, let's do it for others. So in a local church, as I begin to round up, play for me, I close. It's a place where we launch men all together. The local church is a place where we launch men all together. Every other thing we do in the local church is to advance this purpose. I believe this is why you are here this morning. I believe this is why you are seated listening to my voice. And like I told you, the pastor cannot be, the work of a pastor is cut out. I cannot be teaching you in this church how to cook food to bake or like a new food I'm about to try this evening how to eat dumplings imagine that's what that's my sermon my is all about that's not the work of a pastor that's not the work of a church our work is cut out so the pastor cannot be an every man person say you're doing this you're doing this no 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 our work is clear cut in the scriptures teach people grow them up nourish them make sure that they are effective in the work of Jesus make sure that they are fellowshipping they are available in a local church pride ego selfishness is destroyed by us being available with our time by us being available with our energy our resources many of you put more attention to social activities than church 
Some of you can, if it is to organize a party, you people can do so well. You know what to do. You know how to call people. You know how to, you know how to plan it all together. Even at work, everybody knows you as that guy who can do everything. But in the church, where your higher priority should be as a Christian, you are not useful. I, it's not so good. I bring this message this morning to you to correct you. And I believe you are getting corrected. You are getting instructed, right? What has your priorities? That's the question that you must leave this place with. What has your priorities? Remember what I said. If you were having to meet with the President of the United States this morning at 10 a.m., hope you know if they told you to clean the White House this morning before the meeting or to clean the Oval Office, you would do it. Hope you know. Hope you know if they told you they give you the list and the criteria of things to do before the meeting, which they will obviously tell you. Hope you know you are going to follow and adhere strictly. So if an usher tells you, sit in the place, why not do it? Why do you have a particular position you want to sit in church? That's pride. That's ego. Who name they sit your own? That's pride. Who are you? What have you become? What money do you want to drop? There's so, there's, there's so many things that people think that we, 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 we do with church. Some people think we are after their money. Not in this our own. No. That's why everybody is working for a living. As the pastor of this church, I don't touch the church offering. We use it for ministry. What do I want to use it for? How much are, how much are we getting? Hallelujah. We are preparing for a mission is possible now. It's costing us thousands of dollars. Thousands. Do you think it's from the one dollar you are dropping on Sunday that it's coming from? No. So where's your pride? Why are you prideful? Why can't you serve? Why can't you function effectively? Why can't you, why can't you, why, why can't you drop the selfishness? Why can't you drop the ego? So the local church is God's big idea. And you must know that. If they still have to wake you up as old as you are to church, remind you every Sunday despite the announcement, <laughs> you've gotten your priorities mixed up. Imagine as old as you are. They don't wake you up for work. They don't wake you up for exams. But they have to wake you up for church. The devil has a whole lot on you, man. And I say it with no missing words. The devil has a whole lot on you that you have to change. Shows your priorities are wrong. Because you can't be a Christian and not know where your priorities is. Right from when I was young, I've always, it, it was like, it was like I did not have a life. There is no department in church I have not worked in. No department. None. There is nothing I've, I've been altar boy. I've stood in front of a pastor like this, standing, carrying his Bible. I did it like five years ago. There's nothing I've not done. Because that's church. Such that when you are not around, maybe something happens, everybody knows that. Ah! 
if this person was around. This would have been done. So that your, your value is so missed. But imagine, you are that person that you are just a virtual man, so irrelevant. So that when you not come to church, you say, oh, who is that person that not come to church? Oh, we don't even know the person. So say, I'm too shy. I'm too this. Really? But you're not too shy to make money. So you've got your priorities, mister. We're talking about God. It's beyond that your bestie or it's beyond all of those things. It's beyond all one guy looking rough with his hair so full, his beard so no. It's beyond all of those things. You must, you must see church beyond that. The local church. Put this somewhere in your notes. Is God's big idea. When all is done and dusted, if there's anything I know, we remain forever. The church. This family, this church, even when the end comes, we're still going to have the church. It's God's big idea. Even after the end of the world, the church will still be existing. So when you find one, a local church, you stay focused there, you submit there, you learn there, and let me tell you, you serve there. And how will you serve? Your time, your energy, your resources, your money, you grow with, you learn with, right? You are accountable to, you fellowship with people. Don't be that person that just walks out of service without greeting people. Who are you? Who are you? Greet people. Talk to people. Fellowship with people. Make friends. Just with somebody. Create a conversation. Hallelujah. I believe this message has come to us this morning to correct us, to admonish us, to make us more better in our work with God, right? What's the work of a pastor if he cannot correct you? If he cannot tell you the truth? And tell you that some of you are still very prideful. Some of you are living in ego, selfishness. Of you are wanting things to be done for you. Why not you let, you know, um, um, a former president of America said this. He said, while you are waiting for your country to do stuff for you, why not ask yourself, what do I do for my country? Let's bring that home to the local church. Why are you waiting for the church to do everything for you? Why not say, ah, how do I get available? How do I, how do I clean church tomorrow? How do I be part of How is this thing going on? Okay, some of you don't even know that we have churches all over. Some of you don't even care. How I not you, you, you don't even care. You don't want to know. You say, okay, how is this done? Why, why is it done this way? Some of you don't even ask those questions. You know, you must be that person that is available, right? Must be that person that is ready to give their time, ready to give their resources to church. There is no greater honor than to be serving God. There is no greater honor. We're going to be rewarded for it. Bible told us. Let me tell you the confidence that keeps me going. There's just one scripture. 
He said, God is not forgetful to reward our labor. He says, He's not forgetful. So everything we are doing, those of you who claimed, those of you who are arranging things, who are, who are actively serving here, I'm not the one that is going to reward you. We are never going to have a, a party called appreciation party and we'll be saying, best washer, best choir. If I start doing that, I'm, already take, I'm giving you the reward that God wants to give you. And that's not it. Why not let us wait to the end? Or best uh, soul winner. Best. No, we can never do those kind of things here. We will allow God himself at the last day to reward us. Hallelujah. He says he's not forgetful. So be encouraged. Those of you who are serving, who are workers, who are putting things all together, it's also for you to be encouraged that God is not forgetful to reward your labor. Hallelujah. Bow your heads and pray for yourself.